Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Bob. (laughs) That's a long story, but yeah, let's call me Bob for this show. (laughs) My uncle uh, and him rode a golf cart for four hours on Saturday, and uh, he started whatever, calling me Bob. For whatever reason, my uncle had it in his mind that this guy's name was Bob. So, of course, the two you know serious professionals here decided to go with it for four hours. Yeah. And I just kept calling him Bob. <laughs> I'm gonna send him a Christmas card and uh, make sure you give me his address. I'm gonna sign it, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so a little behind the scenes, it's pitch black right now. It's yeah. 6 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning, but that's the only time we have to film these things. That's it, man. We're running and gunning, and we're up uh, well before the sun every morning. Yeah. That's well, what we do. And, you know, look, and I've, I've followed this adage for many years, and I've gotten to know you well, so I, I think you fall in the same category. We're not very smart, so all we can do is work hard. Yeah. That, that's, that's the best <laughs> we can do. We're going to outwork this thing. That's right. All right. Markevis Gideon, Nerd It Now. Nerd It Now. Season 11, Episode 5, 10, 27, 19. He comes into the tank asking 150000 for 20%. And the company fixes your electronic devices. So imagine a kiosk or even an ambulance and eventually a store where you can take your devices and get them fixed. We all have probably on average two, three, four devices. I just give them all to my daughter when she comes to visit. Well, imagine that you you didn't have to wait for her to come and you could just go to the kiosk or the ambulance and get the stuff fixed. Beautiful. And he comes in with a prototype of a kiosk. Mm -hmm. Um, He says there's no national brand that exists doing this. Obviously, different cities may have stuff. Maybe there's some franchise and stuff, but there's no national player in this space. Um, The year before airing, he did 187,000 of business. So he's doing it, but again, he's got much grander plans. So what happened with the Sharks? So he walks into the tank and he did not get a deal. Uh, Several of the Sharks, uh, Lori being one, Matt being another, just too early. Um, Save your money. Some of the comments were, save your money. You're not investable. Uh, Cuba thought it was just really, really tough, a tough model, too hard to scale. So he... Uh, they, they recommended he build it slowly. They just didn't think he was investable at that point. Yep. And uh, the quote from Cuban was, you didn't get a deal, but prove us wrong. Yeah. And so I think they're cheering him on. They know he's you know got a bright yeah, extremely future. Extremely bright guy, extremely likable guy. Yep. All right. Well, you're going to enjoy the interview. And then after the interview, we'll come back and we'll share some of the great lessons we took from this great entrepreneur. Enjoy. All right, we're here with Markevis of Nerd It Now. We just watched your pitch, and uh, we're so glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Man, thank you. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be able to connect with some fellow nerds and some fellow Shark Tank watchers. It's always a blessing. <laughs> so let's start at the uh, beginning of the story. Where did the idea come from to start this business? 
All right. So it started about five years ago when I returned from China, or I guess six years ago now. Now I returned from China, and I looked at my community and saw there was this big, huge digital divide. And I remember when twelve years old, a teacher gave me a computer, which would change the trajectory of my life. Going off to college, graduating, living in China abroad, just so many blessings from that one computer. So I had this mission to donate a hundred computers back into underserved communities. And through that, I needed a sustainable way to do it. And here comes Nerdit now. <laughs> now, did uh, did Shark Tank approach you, or did you approach them? Oh man, I remember speaking with the team. It was funny. My my young my oldest son was uh, four months old at the time. I looked at my wife and said, "Wife, I think I want to go pitch for Shark Tank." <laughs> and it seemed like a far-fetched idea at the time, but uh, my wife was in full support. We drove out to Kentucky, we pitched our thirty seconds, and it was just an amazing opportunity. So it was something we saw, and um, though a lot of people thought it was crazy, we focused on possibility versus probability. We saw it being possible of getting on Shark Tank, so we made it happen. Was it a <clears throat> was it immediate yes? Or was there some lag time before they in invited you on? Oh, man. So I remember um, from what I can say, it was uh, we drove out to Kentucky and they said, you have 60 seconds to impress this judge. And if you don't hear anything in two weeks, no news is bad news. Well, we did our pitch. We're swinging bats around and we're just having a great time enjoying it all. And um, at the end, I remember our judge. Um, we're in a room full of different judges and different people doing our pitches. Our judge, uh, she says, Oops, congratulations. We're like, that That might be a good sign, but we don't know. And uh, we didn't hear anything within um, the first uh, 13 days. And it was on the 14th day, the 11th hour, we finally get the um, email saying, hey, we want you to proceed forward with um, pitching here on Shark Tank. And of course, you had different things you had to do in between there, but um, it happened so quickly within uh, this, I guess it was May of last year, to find out within weeks we were going to be um, driving out to California. That is great. Your pitch was so high energy. You guys were on, it was like your hair was on fire. Uh, all three <laughs> of you were out there uh, swinging for the fences. Yes, sir. Uh, we, everything we do, um, we try to show people that being a nerd, you can be cool at the same time. We like to have fun around here. So if we're going to do it, we're going to do it having fun um, and go out with a bang. And that's what we did. So what's changed? What's changed in your business model since you uh, pitched? Because you know, at the time, you know, you were starting to get organized, starting to put some pieces together. There were some prototypes that were developed. What has changed since you recorded that episode? Well, um, one thing has dramatically changed was the fact that our team has just um, increased ridiculously. Um, we went from a team of four people. Now we have over twelve on staff, which is a great thing. Um, and one thing that they pointed out to us is we needed to always have skilled labor that can um, build with our own model. So we started a workforce development program. Um, our first cohort was uh, like the pre-pilot of four individuals. We hired three of the four. Our pilot program, we trained five people up and we were able to train, um, after training five, getting them certified, we hired four of the five people. And our current cohort, which just started last Monday, we're training 23 people with the intent of hiring at least 60% of them. And that's just the beginning. Um, our kiosk model that people thought was like going to be really, really crazy. Um, 
and Mr. Wonderful, I remember him calling it a, a refrigerator. He said, yeah, it's just a refrigerator, which uh, truth be told, it was a refrigerator in a way. Like it did nothing. Uh, we, we found out two weeks before that we were gonna actually have to go out to California. So with that being said, I used living in China, I worked for an import export company and I just reached out to my connections and said, hey, we need a kiosk here now, like absolutely right now. They were like, okay, we'll ship it on boat. No, you're gonna put it on a plane and we're gonna have it here in two days. We got a kiosk here in two days and I didn't even open the box. I put it in the back of our ambulance. We drove it to a place to get wrapped. I didn't even see what it looked like before. They um, opened it up. They wrapped it up within 48 hours, put it back in my truck, boxed it back up, and then we drove straight across the country. And when we got to Shark Tank, I remember before we pitched, we're like, all right, cool. We're going to be able to interact with the screen and make it kind of look like it's doing something. Well, I turned on a computer and it's in Russian. I'm like, oh, God, no. (laughs) What is going on? I order it from China, but it's a Russian. This makes no sense whatsoever. But I know enough about computers to be able to get to a screen and bring up a a Nerdit Now logo. Well, that was our refrigerator back then. Today, uh, we actually just raised some money. Um, We're able to gain enough money where we could um, get our kiosk actually beyond the prototype. We received a huge grant uh, from our local government, Newcastle County, um, our executive director, Matt Meyer, who um, gave us a sizable grant where we were able to take $150,000 and throw it towards the production of our kiosk. So um, next month, it's been a little more than a year now, but next month we'll have our first 10 kiosks here in the States, which is gonna be amazing, amazing, amazing. So where are you putting those kiosks and then how does it work? You get pinged and then you go and pick them up and take them somewhere and fix them and put them back. Walk us through what that looks like. All right. So um, pre-COVID, the idea was to go into businesses. We're going to businesses. You're there all day, every day. You make decent money. So if you get your thing broken, you just um, go there before lunch break drop it off. And then right after lunch, after a few hours, come back and pick up your device for, we'll be paying, we'll send the technician out, pick up all the devices, bring it back to the home base, fits it in the motherboard, drop it back off. It'll be like, you never miss your device. But then COVID happened and we're like, oh geez, no. Okay. People aren't in their office right now. So we're pivoting, but we're pivoting in a way that makes me actually proud. We're going back to the social good that we're doing. We, um, Throughout COVID, we've donated, um, every year since the business started, we donate 100 computers back into underserved communities. Well, last year, we donated over 5,000 units back into the community. In the month of January and February of this year, we're already up, I want to say roughly 1,500, 600, 2,100 devices um, going between January and February of this year. Things are ramping up, and with our kiosk, we are also looking at funding it, um, finding funders to come and say, hey, we'll sponsor a kiosk. And with each kiosk we pay for, we'll put it in a library, in a community center, in an underserved community where individuals might not be able to afford to repair. But with that, um, being that it's sponsored, we'll be able to afford the first 100, 500 repairs at no additional cost to the consumer. And then we're working on creating digital signage on each kiosk so that you can advertise on the kiosk. But with all the advertisement, know that you're doing something social good because all of it will be rolled back into free repairs back into our communities. Wow, that is, I mean, that is really, really 
um, fantastic, socially, completely socially driven. And what a fantastic opportunity for some young person to have a device where they would normally have to wait years to grab that device. That is so, so cool. So the kiosk and what I saw when at, uh, at time of, of taping, saw the kiosk, the ambulance, um, I kind of felt them saying, hey, you need to build this slowly. You're here too early. Tell yeah. us a little bit about what happened when you were there and the rapid fire emotions that you went through when you're listening to their message. They showed us nothing but love. Like we were, we were definitely premature with coming there. We weren't ready for it. But uh, you're not going to tell me what we're ready for. So I had to go for it anyway. And getting there in front of the sharks, they were so friendly. They offered so much great advice to help us grow our business. They did have two times where they asked us a question and we froze. We legitimately, all three of us were like, um, who has it? We, and we're like, we don't have it. But they didn't show that on the show, which again was a blessing. They made us look so good. But some of the things they said to us was, again, build your workforce development out. At the time, our revenue for the year was only $250,000. Um, last year, 2020, $1.85 million. Wow. Slow down, relax. You got this. Build it. You don't need us. But when you get to the point where you're really making it and you're killing it, come back and prove us wrong because we know you can do it on your own. Um, they also pushed the ambulance like, hey, you should franchise this out more, but we're taking it above a step further. We already um, were working on building out our franchise documents so that we could begin franchising our business. But outside of a normal franchise, you know, you usually have a brick and mortar. Well, you can franchise either a storefront, you can franchise an um, ambulance, which we call the motherboard, or you can franchise rights to the kiosk. And all of that is driven back into the community for, again, as you franchise with us, um, you got to realize that we're a social good um, company and we want to make sure that if you go into a new community, we need to find a way to donate 100 new computers each year into that community as well. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with this kind of mission, you guys absolutely and, and obviously uh, your your passion comes through 10 times over, but you cannot <laughs> fail with this kind of a mission. Correct. And we're getting really creative with showing funders like, hey, you could fund this, but still get your message out there, do what you're trying to do with your agenda and have a great deal of good happen for the community at the same time. When you guys aired back in uh, October of 2019, what were those first couple days like for you uh, um, after it aired? The website crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine your website crashing? Like, I'm a freaking tech guy. This is what we do. We don't have websites crash around here until they crash. We couldn't believe it. And every time it reruns or re-airs on TV, which it's been three times where it re-aired on ABC, our website crash every time. I'm like, we beef it up and we're thinking, what the heck? It's still crashing. But I think the coolest thing ever, um, it aired in October, October 27th of 2019. My wife was turning 30 that January. And uh, we often travel around the um, world. Um, we've visited, I think a total of nine or so, 12 different countries. Well, that year we said, hey, we're gonna add two more countries to our list. We're gonna visit Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, Japan. We visited Japan and Thailand before, but Malaysia and Japan were new. 
And we're like, we're going to go there. And we're sitting in an airport. And this little Asian lady is looking at me. And she's looking at me. I'm like, what are you looking at? And she points at her husband. And she kind of comes over to me. And she says, uh, you shark tank. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm in Asia and they recognize, I I always have some type of Nerded Now branding on me somewhere. So that was like the coolest thing ever. Three months after airing on Shark Tank, people in Asia recognized who we were. That is fantastic. (laughs) So what, you know, where is a business owner? I mean, you have, you know, these different deliverables and franchising. Where do you see this thing let's just go three years out. What do you think this business looks like in three years and what impact do you think you'll be having in those communities? Well, since um, the airing, we became the first certified recycler in the state of Delaware for IT equipment. As you see around me, I have devices all over. Um, (laughs) It's just devices everywhere. Um, That's helping fuel our company. Um, That's where a lot of our revenue is coming from to actually push it further. And our goal as we, um, I don't necessarily care to franchise too much, but I'm going to close that digital divide, income divide, and wealth divide. And what that means is, hey, we'll donate technology and teach people the skills through our workforce development, how to get into this industry. We'll then help you get a job either internally with Nerdit Now or externally in another company. But if you'd say, hey, you know what, I want to stay with Nerdit Now, and you show skills of leadership, and you want to actually more in your own franchise one day, don't pay us for a franchise. We'll give you a franchise. And with that franchise, you just got to understand that you have to go into a new community and donate 100 computers each year. As long as you're doing that, that franchise will forever be yours. And our goal is to, we're here in Delaware, one of the smaller states. Let's mosey on into Philadelphia. Let's mosey down to Maryland. And once we got a good grip between maybe Maryland and New York City, a few different locations, let's take that fishing line. I don't fish, but yeah, let's take that fishing line and throw it over to California and just reel it on in. We're going to close that digital income wealth divide. What do you look for in people? Honestly, charismatic people, people that want this and at at the very least passionate about it. A lot of what we're doing... Um, it's, it's all about giving back to the community. I'm very faith-based. I'm a Christian. Uh, but whichever, wherever you're at in your space, I want you to see that um, it's more than just providing to yourself. It's giving to others at the same time. For um, It's not going to be easy, but it's something that's more doable. And again, as a Christian, God said, if you throw it into the atmosphere, all you got to do is claim it. Just remember that claiming it won't be easy. Nobody ever said that. The law of attraction, karma, nothing ever said claiming it will be easy. But everyone says, you throw it into the atmosphere, claim it. The Christian me says, mine, own it, and let's keep on going forward. And I want people to have that same mission. Like, I just got to claim it. It won't be easy, but if I claim it, this is possible. So when people told me five years ago that this business will never work, to see me three years after that on Shark Tank, and to see that a year after that, we not we are profit from last year, exceeded the last three years in revenue. Don't focus on possible probabilities, focus on possibilities and let's make this happen. You know, my mom said something to me growing up uh, and you know, you remember these voices in your head of people that were influential and she was a very spiritual person as well. She said, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. Boom. And you know, that's what I, that's what I see in MG, uh, a guy that is doing both of those things. Uh, what 
challenges as you meet with your team and you look at both strategy and the way you're executing on this strategy, what challenges do you anticipate might be uh, on the horizon? We're the new kids on the block. Um, I didn't have many mentors in this space to say, hey, like, this is the way you do it. Now, I'm gaining mentors now, and there's some great managed IT service companies here in the state of Delaware, my Sherpa, PCS. Uh, th these are great friends who are helping me, helping mold me. But as my team is developing, we're still new. We're still filling our way around. And we have like 20 million things going on at one time. So it's really just like trying to bring it all back in, stay focused, but at the same time, um, don't let others impose their limitations onto us. So yeah, it might look crazy to you, but at the same time, we're, we're moving forward in an intentional way. So just trying to um, navigate through the newness of um, growing our business is going to probably be the largest challenge. Do you regret not getting a deal or do you think that was the right thing for you at the time? Heck no, that was <laughs> deal. Us getting on Shark Tank alone, we won. Um, and getting the advice that we received from the Sharks, we could have went out there and we saw some pretty bad episodes where they like, I'm surprised they didn't walk out of the shark tank without a limb missing. Like we walked out on a red carpet, like, no, you guys got it. And granted, I was bummed. Trust me when I say I walked out of there for the next two days and it, my next few days actually got really, really bad, really, really bad. But as I look back uh, three, four months after that, I'm like, no, we're going to be okay. We're going to raise the money to um, get our kiosk. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. We're going to go back to them and say, hey, you missed out on the opportunity. So where I asked for 150000 for 10% of my business, I might be asking for a million. You're only getting 5% now. <laughs> you got to well, tell there's, uh, there, are several, there are several comments there. Um, you're here too early. Save your money. Buy another truck. Um, build this thing slowly. You're not investable right now. And ultimately... It was all probably the right advice. It, um, you know, they were very kind to you, obviously, and that's great to hear. Right. Yeah. And from all of that advice, uh, we're too early. You're right. A year and a half later, we, our team has expanded. Um, we didn't buy one more truck. We bought two more trucks. Um, raised the money on our own. We did that without diluting our business. We still own a hundred percent of the business. We have the kiosk on the way, just take your time. You gotta realize again, that's when I go back to my faith. Uh, we see what we see. And often we focus on our timeline versus God's timeline. Oh man, there's so much more out there. Like just push, push, push and it'll come. You gotta tell us the story about how you opened up a bar in China. <laughs> so um, I, I gave a TEDx talk. Uh, my TEDx talk was called Find Your China. And Find Your China, it's expressed how um, I graduated with two degrees from college in 2010, two years after the recession. I got a pretty good job. Unfortunately, I was laid off after losing my girlfriend and my car breaking down all in one day. So I decided, you know what? I need to go somewhere. I remember my junior year in college going off to China for one month. I said, I'm going to go back there for four months. And during that four months, I learned how to say, which means I want chicken nuggets and ketchup. Life changed. Like, changed. I don't eat vegetables. Chicken nuggets and ketchup treats me very well. 
I did that for four months. Um, I started teaching children um, how to speak English. I realized I hate other people's children. So I started teaching at a university <laughs> where I would meet one teacher or one advisor at the school whose husband owned an import-export company. So I began working at the import-export company. Through there, met different clients. I traveled all throughout Asia. One person I um, grew a really close relationship with who eventually became one of my groomsmen in my wedding is this older, tall, white man that you would never see this young black kid, this tall, white man, completely different in every way, come together and had the best relationship in China. He showed me the way to not only just, I was always entrepreneurial, but build a brand and something that can work beyond me. Within um, four months of having a business, I asked for 30% up front. He said, eh, no. I said, please, 30%. He said, 20%. And if you can make it self-sustaining within six months, I bump you to 30%. Well, within four months, we had 12 waitresses, three bartenders, and a bar manager. Life was good. I owned 30% of the bar. I put no money down. I just helped make it run. And that, that was, was such a valuable lesson for me. And as I was 22 years old, it taught me how to run a business and how to drink very well. <laughs> what are, I mean, you, you've attracted uh... <laughs> No, I was going to say you've attracted some great people into your life. Is there one or two uh, attributes or methods of attraction you would go back to? Because it seems like you attract these wonderful people. I say just be open. Um, I thought I was open before going to China, uh, but being one of like only black people in a city in Asia, let alone a white person, a Hispanic person, like there, there just weren't people there. But being there opened me up to be more diverse, um, learning the language, being open, um, trying vegetables, even though I really don't like vegetables still. <laughs> being open to trying new things, being open to new people. So you can be uh, on the opposite side of a political fence than me, and we can still be best friends. We can have completely different mindsets, but we can still be understanding to each other, become friends. Yeah, never know. Like, become, like again, this gentlemen, we are completely opposite sides of the political spectrum. Uh, white, black, I was 21 or two when we met. He was 55 when we met. It was just like, how could we even be friends? And he took me under his wings. And being open to him actually really doing that really opened up doors for me. And then again, um, remembering to not Focus on possibility versus probability. You just keep on focusing on possibility. And then to you, people start realizing like, oh, actually, he's going somewhere. He's really going somewhere. He's just focused on making it possible, no matter how dumb everyone else think it is. And sometimes some of the things I do is dumb, but, you know, it's still possible that it might not be dumb one day. <laughs> So, I mean, you're, you're obviously working in a lot of communities um, and, and, and helping people that you know, maybe don't have the best start in life um, or have a lot of resources at their disposal. So what advice would you give to those that feel like, hey, I'm a little behind the eight ball. I'd, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. I want to be like MG when I grow up. What advice would you give them? Um, do not let people impose their limitations onto you. And when you say that, sometimes it comes out of love or hate. See, I grew up to two parents who didn't graduate from high school in an underserved community. My, uh, my trajectory of life didn't look the greatest at a young age, um, but I didn't let people impose their limitations onto me. And when I say love out of hate, love or hate, 
the love will say, Marquivis, are you sure you want to go to college? It's expensive. The hate may say, Marquivis, you're too dumb for college. Marquivis, are you sure you want to leave the country? You know, your family never really left Delaware. You might want to stay here where you're comfortable. You don't even eat vegetables. Versus, how are you going to afford life out there? You don't speak the language. Again, you're too dumb. Or Marquivis, you're buying a 1986 4350 Baltimore getting ambulance. That never worked. After quitting a job that's really sustaining you to chase this entrepreneurial thing, I don't know if you should do that. Or, you know, most businesses out of hate would say most businesses fell within the first three years. It's a fact. Look at the facts across the board. It's true. But no matter if it's love or hate, it's still a limitation onto you. When they said that I won't go to college because my parents didn't do it, that's fine. I won't go to college for one degree. I'll graduate with two good degrees, accounting and computer science. No limitation. When they said that I would never leave Delaware, like my family's here and my family is still really just here. I'm going to live in a country that you had never imagined a kid like me going to. China, learning language and visiting over 22 countries before. I think I'm at like 26 or seven before the age of 30, 32 now. I tried to hit 30 by 30, it just didn't happen. And when they said, are you sure you wanna start a business? You bought this ambulance that never worked. That was the same concept that helped me get the Shark Tank. Don't let people impose their limitations onto you. You got this, you just gotta remember it. Wow, that's awesome. You, you're, you are an awesome guy. I, I love the business you're building and, and more importantly, the impact that you are and will continue to have. Uh, for those people listening that want to support you, how can they support the business, whether they're in Delaware or they're somewhere else in the country? Where can they support you? Where can they follow along in your journey? Well, just follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm Nerd It Now. Marquee was getting. You can look us up. We also have the Nerdit Foundation. Our Nerdit Foundation is where we focus on donating technology back into underserved communities, in addition to um, train, uptraining opportunity youth. We've donated locally here in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, or even as far as California and um, Africa. We visit um, Kenya, Ghana. We've donated technology all over the place. And we'll love if you want to support our foundation, that would be a great help just to continue to help us close that digital divide. But at the end of the day, just even if you can't provide a dollar, or if you can't be local to us, um, just show us support. Hashtag nerd it now. Let us know that you're here for us for we're coming to a city near you. And that's when you may be able to drop off your old devices if we're not down the street from you today. For we take a lot of old devices, um, donate it into the company to refurbish and donate back into the community. But again, just show us support, show us some love. And I promise you we'll be there really soon to be able to come close that digital income divide in a community near you. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Yeah, Tom. I gotta, I gotta say this, Marquivis, you are my new favorite entrepreneur. <laughs> I appreciate that, good brother. I am. Um, I still got a ways to go within my, within like my trajectory of where I'm going. But at the end of the day, um, I used to say I want to show kids that look like me, that come from a place look like me, that they can do it too. But then I realized, wait, as I reminisce on my childhood, there were white kids, there were Asian kids, there were Hispanic kids, there were all kind of kids. 
And my community is not the only bad community. <laughs> There's ones all over the country. How can we encourage the kids all around the country to do not as good as me, but better to be able to close that divide for the next generations to come? If I don't do anything else in my life, I'm going to make sure that we take it to the next level so that kids can continue to have opportunities thrown at them where some before me didn't have that same opportunity. Well, we can't wait to cheer you on and support you and follow your journey because it's going to be fun to see. Cool. I appreciate it, good brothers. I truly appreciate it. And again, I thank you for um, inviting me onto this podcast. Um, any way I could ever be helpful to you guys, just let me know. Um, I con wish continuous um, support and um, success for you guys as well. All right, we're back. Post game, love post game. All right, what do we learn? Um, there's two big things that I took away from this. And uh, again, very bright guy, very likable guy, but uh, he attracts, intentionally attracts great people. Yep. And this is something that we talk about a lot. We talk about in our book, Entrepreneurial Landmines. Go to outsidethetank.com, pick up your free copy. But we talk about attracting A players. You, you really don't want anything other than A players, and you could put up with some B players, but you can't have C or D players. You just can't build a business around that. But also there's another tangent of this. He, he doesn't put labels on people. He's very, very open to who a person really is at their core, which is, that's, in my opinion, great leadership. So he really intentionally attracts great people. And the second thing that I took away that I'm becoming more conscious of and that is self-talk. He's mm -hmm. very, very aware of his self-talk. And, you know, it can get you this entrepreneurial thing, as you know, as I know, as everyone listening knows, it's a roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster. You have to watch your thoughts and watch what comes out of your mouth because you get hung by the tongue. Yep. Uh, a quote from uh, Markevis, do not let others impose their limitations onto you. Yes. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, we discussed finding sponsors to make the repairs free. And in general, I like that strategy. I mean, you look at Facebook, what does Facebook cost to use? Well, nothing because they make money on advertising. And I just think when you look for sponsors, uh, when you look for, um, you know, advertisers, whatever kind of method you want to call it, if you can make your product free to the end user, it's tough to tough to compete with free. Yeah. And and so I really like that strategy. And I think I think more businesses could apply it than realize it. And I've, you know, helped a few different organizations do that. And it's a little outside the box, but why not make it free? Well, we charge twenty dollars for this, or we charge a subscription for this. Well, what if you just made it free and you were able to capture that revenue and just offered it for free? Oh, okay. So I, I really, I just really like that strategy. And I, and again, I think that's one of those, does it apply to every business? Well, gosh, of course not. But are there more businesses out there that could generate revenue from a sponsor, from advertisers, and then make it free for the end yeah. user? Yes. Um, you know, we talked about the power of the computer and, and really how it's given people access. I mean, the access to information now, free resources online, videos that you can watch, tutorials. You know, there is so much content and so much access that is available from that computer. And he's donated, or last year, the year, uh, last year, donated 500 computers. And so this is a business with a cause. 
And I don't like when businesses say, hey, we need to have a cause or, oh, we need to <laughs> you know, donate to charity because it would be really good for PR. I don't like that. Yeah, that's, but a, when, that's a, the wrong the wrong premise for sure. a cause. But when it hits the entrepreneur in a real authentic way and it ties to the business like this, really, really cool. So uh, excited to see where um, this young, talented entrepreneur goes. Um, I have a feeling this is probably the first of many or the first of something very, very large. Yep. And uh, it'll be fun to cheer him on and, and support him. Nerd it now. You're going to hear about this company and, and this great entrepreneur, Markevis Gideon. Yep. So another great entrepreneur, another great episode every week new episode. We have plenty more exciting ones coming. And uh, if you want to read our book, Entrepreneurial Landmines, do not go on Amazon and pay for it. You can go to OutsideTheTank.com and download the PDF and the audio. Or in the feed that you're listening to this podcast, just scroll down a few months and you'll find the book sitting there and you can download it and listen to it on your device. You have to listen to me narrate it, though. But <laughs> Better than listening to me. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So thank you for supporting the show. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode. 